Greetings. Welcome back to the Apologist Bookshelf. I'm Gary Zacharias. I want to take a favorite book of mine called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist and take a second look at it. Um, you know enough about the book already. I've, I've covered it before, but Norm Geisler and Frank Turek are the co-authors of this. I want to look at the very first chapter. And it's called Can We Handle the Truth? And uh, they start with a quotation from Winston Churchill. Is there anybody better than Winston Churchill for good quotations? He said, men stumble over the truth from time to time, but most pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing happened. <laughs> that's, that's really good. So they start off talking about in America, he said, uh, a lot of people really can't handle the truth. They're uh, playing off that movie, A Few Good Men. You can't handle the truth. So they said, uh, we demand truth in so many areas of our lives. Uh, we want loved ones to tell us the truth. We want doctors to tell us the truth, stockbrokers, courts, employers. But they said, despite this, let's have truth. We need to know the truth. said, the minute you get into morality, religion, people just throw their hands up. Oh, you know, that anything can be true there. It's just up to you. And uh, he said, they said, basically, a lot of people don't really want to know about morality or religious doctrines. They, they've got volitional issues. They don't want to have to bend the knee to any kind of set of beliefs. So anyway, they started and they said, they're going to talk about four questions in this chapter. What is truth? Can truth be known? Can truths about God be known? And so what? Who cares about truth? So we're not going to get to all of those uh, for this chapter. They cover a couple of chapters to get through it all. But here's question number one. What is truth? And they make it very simple. They said truth is telling it like it is. Or a fancier way of putting it may be that which corresponds to its object. So if you say that's a white car and people look over there and it's a white car, it corresponded, the statement corresponded to that object. So they said the problem is Truth is different than what public schools are telling kids these days. They say truth is not relative, it's absolute. It's If something's true, it's true for all people. Think about that car again. A white car is white for everybody. So it's true for all people at all times and all places. And they said all truth claims are narrow. They're absolute, they're exclusive. And so they said, uh, <laughs> they tell another story here. Norm Geisler one time was debating a person who was not a Christian and he had actually read Geisler's book called Christian Apologetics, and he waved it to the crowd and said, these Christians are so narrow-minded. I read Dr. Geisler's book. Do you know what he believes? He believes Christianity is true, and everything opposed to it is false. Boy, these Christians are sure narrow-minded people. Well, Geisler had a book in front of him that the other person had written and said when it was his turn to speak, Geisler held up this other person's book said, these humanists sure are narrow-minded. I read his book. You know what he believes? He believes humanism is true and everybody that opposes it is wrong. It's false. Humanists sure are narrow-minded. Of course, everybody laughed. So humanist truth claims, or we might say atheist truth claims, or somebody from a different religious background, they're just as narrow-minded as Christian truth claims. I've always wondered that. Why are Christians called narrow-minded when somebody who's calling you narrow-minded has a narrow-minded view of truth as well. Isn't that strange? Pretty ironic. So they said, uh, truth is discovered. It's not invented. It's transcultural. It's true for everybody everywhere. So two plus two is four for everybody. 
truth is unchanging. Our beliefs, they say, could change about truth. Um, beliefs can't change a fact. You can sincerely believe the world is flat, but that doesn't. Uh, that just makes the person sincerely mistaken. So beliefs don't change a fact. Truth isn't affected by the attitude of somebody professing it. So you can have a really obnoxious person, and they may actually say something that's true. And all truths are relative. Are absolute truths. Every truth that appears to be relative are actually absolute. So anyway, so that seems pretty obvious. And they said, um, here's the thing you want to get to. Here's the way you want to interact with people. They said, if we could just pick one thinking ability as the most valuable that we've learned over all their years of education, Turek and Geisler said, this is it. How to identify and refute self-defeating statements. Now, what, what do they mean by that? Well, they give an example. One of the two, and I don't remember who it was, I think it was uh, Turek, was listening to a radio show. And somebody called in and said, Jerry, there's no such thing as truth. And Frank Turek said he tried to dial in. He wanted to get on and say, hey, look, this guy said there's no such thing as truth. Is that true? He said he would have loved to have gotten through that guy, but he wasn't able to. So what is a self-defeating statement? One that fails to meet its own standard. So here's an example. If somebody says to you, I can't speak a word in English, you would say, wait, wait, that statement's got to be false. You just uttered it in English. And they said, we hear these all the time in our postmodern culture. Somebody will say things like, something like, all truth is relative. But do you notice that statement says, all truth. That's not a relative statement. That says it's all inclusive. Or they may say, there are no absolutes. Well, that was an absolute statement. So... You can turn a self-defeating statement on itself, then you show that it's actual nonsense. So you want to show people that these statements actually crash and burn in front of you. Um, so if, <laughs> if somebody says all truth is relative, you say, is that a relative truth? Somebody says there are no absolutes. Are you absolutely sure? Somebody says it's true for you, but not for me. But is that statement true just for you, or is it true for everyone? So... They said, yeah, try saying that it's, it's true for you, but not for me. So try saying that to your bank teller or the police or the IRS and see how far you get. Those are self-defeating statements. As they said, you know, if somebody still blindly follows those and says those, then how, here are a few questions. If there really is no truth, then why would you try to learn anything in college? Why should any student listen to any professor? Because after all, the professor doesn't have the truth, just has a truth for him or her. What's the point of going to school and paying for it? Ideas have consequences, they said. Good ideas have good consequences. Bad ideas have bad consequences. And he said it's, so, uh, it's, it's such a shame that people are picking up these bad ideas and they're behaving that, that way. If you say there's no right and wrong, why would you be surprised when students gun down their classmates or a teenage mother leaves her baby in a trash can? Why should they act right when we teach them there's no such thing as right? And so um, I'm going to skip over a little bit of the chapter here, but I like this. This is so important. They moved to another question. Can all religions be true? So they said, uh, you hear all the time people saying, well, all religions are true. They're all paths to God. And they said, but even church pastors sometimes get puzzled by this. And so religious beliefs can't all be true because they're contradictory. They teach opposites. So, for example, what do conservative Christians believe? Well, if you haven't accepted Christ, then you're heading for hell. That's going to be your ultimate destination. 
How about Muslims? They say the same thing about non-Muslims. They're not going to head to their version of heaven. And what do Hindus believe? Well, something different than that, that everybody's caught up in a cycle of reincarnation based on works. You can't do all three of those things when you die. In fact, they point out world religions really have more contradictory beliefs than complementary ones. So they have far more differences. You know, they disagree about things like the nature of God, the nature of man, sin, salvation, heaven, hell, creation. Wow, those are big. Those are huge. And so uh, they have essential differences. All religions do not teach basically the same thing. Now, we get into another section of the chapter here, truth versus tolerance. Now, you're not supposed to say some religious beliefs might be wrong. Why? You're supposed to be tolerant of all religious beliefs. And in our culture today, tolerance doesn't mean putting up with something you believe to be false. That's what it used to mean. Hey, I don't, I don't buy what you're saying, but I'll allow you to say it, and I'll certainly uh, fight for your right to say that. But to, now, what do we have? Tolerance means you're supposed to accept every belief as true. Every belief. We hear that with religious pluralism, the idea that all religions are true. But there are a lot of problems with this new definition of tolerance. They said, you know, think about that. These mutually exclusive religious beliefs can't all be true, so that's, it's dangerous to do that. It's dangerous to your eternal destiny because you may get something wrong there. Here's another problem with this idea of this new definition of tolerance. If you say you ought not question someone's religious beliefs, that is a religious belief. That's a religious belief for pluralists. But that's exclusive and that's intolerant. That's just as intolerant as any religious belief of a Christian or a Muslim. Here's a third problem. The prohibition against questioning religious beliefs is also an absolute moral position. Why shouldn't we question religious beliefs? Is that immoral? Well, who came up with that standard of immorality there? Fourth, the Bible commands Christians to question religious beliefs. They give some examples in Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5, 1 John 4, 1, Galatians 1, 8, 2 Corinthians 11, 13, and so on. So Christians have a belief that they ought to question religious beliefs, then pluralists should accept this. Oh, well, that's right. We, we, we are inclusive. We accept all religious beliefs, but they don't. So these pluralists are not so tolerant after all, are they? They only tolerate, as uh, Geisler and Turek point out, they only tolerate people that already agree with them. That's not tolerance. Here's another problem with this uh, tolerance game. It's a derivative of false cultural prohibition against making judgments. And the prohibition against judging is false because it fails to meet its own standard. You ought not judge. So if somebody says to you, hey, you Christians, you shouldn't be judging. What did that person just do? They judged you. And then they, they may say, well, we'll look at Matthew 7. That's where Jesus said, you know, you're not supposed to judge. Yeah, Jesus said, right, you're not supposed to judge, but you're not supposed to judge hypocritically. That's a very different kind of thing. And then uh, said, finally, here's another problem with this tolerance issue. Are pluralists going to accept as true religious beliefs of anybody? How about Muslim terrorists? That all non-Muslims should be killed? Is that okay? Are you ready to accept, if you're a religious pluralist, you're going to accept religious beliefs of people who go for child sacrifice or other heinous crimes? No, of course not. And then at the end of the chapter, they say, be ready for the elephant parable, the blind men and the elephant. So you may have heard of this. 
an elephant's being examined by six blind men, and each feels a different part of the elephant, and they come up with a different conclusion. One grabs the tusk and says, oh, this is a spear. Another says, no, 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 no. Uh, he's holding the trunk, says this is a snake. Another one grabs the leg. Oh, it's a tree, and they're arguing, and they're arguing. Well, what are they saying? Uh, if somebody tells you that little parable, they're saying the blind men represent world religions, and they all come to different conclusions. So nobody has the truth. Religious truth is relative to the individual. It's subjective, not objective. Now, maybe you've heard that story. What's the problem? Because it really sounds like a pretty good persuasive point. All you have to do is ask yourself one question. Well, wait a minute. There's somebody who's telling us the parable. Now, he appears to have an objective perspective. He can see. He says everybody else is blind, but he sees. Well, if he can see and he's objective, why can't the blind men? They could, because if they could see, then they would realize they were mistaken. So we hear that story about the blind men and the elephant. It's very arrogant, really, because it says all you religious people are stupid and blind, and I'm the only one who can see. So that's a bad parable. Okay, so let me summarize real quickly a couple of things in here. They said, despite what relativism tells us, by the way, this is what I like at the end of the chapter, they have a summary section. So summarizing quickly here, despite the relativism that's all over the place, truth is absolute, exclusive, and knowable. If you deny truth, that's self-defeating. Um, you might want to think about things like if you hear somebody say there is no truth, you can question that. That's self-defeating because that makes a truth claim. All truth is relative. Oh, really? Is that a relative truth? Now, they said truth is not dependent on our feelings. Something is true whether we like it or not. And major world religions don't teach the same thing. And since all religions can't be true, their last point, the last part of the summary we can't subscribe to that new definition of tolerance. It demands we accept that idea that all religious beliefs are true. Sure, we should respect the beliefs of others, no doubt, but we should lovingly tell them the truth. I mean, think about it. If you really do love people, you tell them the truth because it may have eternal consequences. All right, so that's a kind of a barreling through and a high-speed chase through one of the chapters, but I'm going to come back to this book again and again. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. This is just one of those books that really ought to be on your uh, bookshelf. It's wonderful. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Let's do another podcast soon.